What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see our guests here today. It's summertime, and so we've got a lot of folks that are in and out, but we're glad you're here. Good to see. I thought I saw Sister Frizzell just a moment ago. There, Brother Frizzell, there he is hiding among the stuff. Good to see them today. Shelly, it is good to see you this morning. A long time. So good to see a long time family friend. And uh, good to, to feel the touch of God. I want you to go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 73. Psalms, the 73rd chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. Psalms chapter 73. And it reads like this. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. And he goes on to describe his feelings toward these uh, people that had gathered so much of his attention. And it affected him so deeply so troubled his spirit that he began to question his own faith. And go down to verse number 12 or 13, and it said, Verily, he said, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Everything that I've done, everything I've been taught to do, seems to have been for no reason. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning while These others get by and they prosper. And he said, if I say I will speak thus, if I want to say something about it, behold, I would offend. He was in such a foul mood that even if he opened his mouth, he would hurt uh, generations around him. And so when he said, I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It was too painful for me. <clears throat> it was too painful. Everybody say it's too painful. Amen. Until. Everybody say until. I want to give you a pain reliever this morning. <laughs> until. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then. Understood I their end. I want to talk to you a little while this morning about the secret to surviving slippery places. Amen. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. To me, this is one of the great psalms. There are many that I don't know. Perhaps it's because it speaks so closely to our own personal experience. 
And I think it's great because it deals with great matters. The strange, interesting thing about this psalm is that it actually begins with a conclusion. Such are some of the greatest psalms that what you read in the beginning is a conclusion of a thought and it is the summation of what this singer has learned in his experience. And so he throws that out first and then he goes through the process of showing you how he came to that understanding. Like the 23rd Psalm, it begins with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he goes on to define and describe what had caused him to come to that conclusion. And so it was here in the 73rd Psalm. It is a Psalm of Asaph. And it was written as an instruction. It was written to give guidance to those who would come afterward. And it begins with a conclusion. Something happened in his life. Something had transpired and had so moved and affected him that he had to begin with that powerful statement that truly God is good to Israel. Then he begins to proceed through the process of which he had come to this conclusion. And the singer had found himself in great waters and he was certainly struggling with some terrible things. He was a man on the brink of disaster by his own description. He said, my feet had almost slipped. I had almost lost my footing. And not only that, but what he had experienced had put him in a foul mood. And his complaint and his language spoke of someone whose mind had been affected by uh, the goings on of life and life was out of joint it was it, it was broken in in his estimation and there was something wrong with what he saw he was beginning to doubt the wisdom of all that he had been taught that if you do good good will come to you if you do right then right will be yours. And if you do what is according to the principle of God, then you will be blessed. But he looked at his own life and he saw something that seemed to contradict that. He looked around in the world that he lived in and he saw evil men that were prospering. He saw wicked men that were advancing and when he looked at his own state and he saw the fact that he was doing the right things and he was trying to make sure he was in the right place and in the right attitude and spirit, all of it seemed for nothing. It was beginning to unravel before his very eyes and he began questioning all of the things that he had been brought up to believe that the he, he was even at the point of being unsure about the goodness of God. And he was on the verge, he was on the verge of infecting others with his poisonous thinking. What a dangerous place to be. Bad enough when you've got war going on in your own mind and spirit, but it's doubly bad when you you start spilling that out to everybody that's around you. 
You know, there's a value in not saying some things. Even though you might think it, it doesn't mean you have to say it. And so he was afraid that he was going to offend a whole generation. He was going to infect and influence his own children. And so he chose to keep his mouth. How he did it, we don't know exactly. But I will tell you this, for a while his thinking was messed up. And for a while his attitude was in a bad place. It was jaded. It was certainly not what it should be. And as we all know, life can do that to you sometimes. Amen. Life can mess you up. It can mess up your thinking. It can mess up and wreak havoc with your emotions. And when you look around at others and you see that they're living carelessly and and they live by no principles and they disregard the Word of God and and yet they seem to be getting along okay and here you are trying to live right and do right and talk right and act right and, and yet nothing seems to be coming out of that. You're not gaining any ground. And so it was for this man. He, and he, he tells us how it all happened. He looked around and he saw things that were not right and he gazed with envy upon the inequities of life and the unscrupulous people around him that were prospering and all of the sacrifices that he had made and they seemed to have been for nothing and he was angry, he he was upset, he was disturbed, he was everything but what he ought to be at that moment and what he describes is a very troubled man. And now this man even begins rebuking himself because he knows he shouldn't think that way, but he can't help it. You ever been in a place like that when you know not to say it, but you just can't seem to help but say it? You don't, you don't want to think it, but it just seemed to come anyway. And he thought it off and thought it off, but he could not keep it at bay and It was getting worse. Things were going. It was a train wreck waiting to happen. And then he did a great and wonderful thing. He decided to go to church. Amen. He decided to go to church. Now, for all you people that don't think going to church matters, I'm going to prove to you it does matter. Amen. That it doesn't matter whether I show up or not. I'm going to tell you it does matter if you show up or not. Because it was in the sanctuary of God that he began to see things differently. And it was in the house of God something wonderful began to happen. You can't explain it. I don't know how to define how it happens. But somewhere in a song or in a worship time, while the words are being put on the screen... A reality, a realization, that some kind of light comes on and you begin to understand that God knows where you're at and He knows what you're going through. And He's He not only knows that, but He's got an answer for you. And it, while, it was while He was in the sanctuary that something happened that transformed His thinking and His mind He recovered something in the house of God that had almost slipped away from him. And I don't even know what the preacher preached that day. We don't know even what the choir sang, but we know what happened to this man. We know what happened. It was in the sanctuary. 
the Bible says that he began to feel the nearness of his God. And he felt the love of that God. And his eyes were opened and the curtains began to be lifted and the mist began to clear and the confusion fled and revelation came and the atmosphere of his faith was refreshed and he felt hope again and it was sitting in the sanctuary where something came and picked him up and helped him to get a better picture of life and what really mattered and it was in that sanctuary that a transformation took place that saved him that kept him from that slippery place. He got hold of something in the house of God that was unshakable. He uses the word nevertheless. If you read on down through the end of the psalm, he comes to a point where he uses the word nevertheless. That word is only used when a man has come to an understanding and a conclusion about something that what I was thinking, I'm not thinking anymore. And what I was feeling, I'm not feeling anymore. And what I was go- where I was going, I'm not going there anymore. And nevertheless, and he talks about God being with him and guiding him and counseling him and, and, and giving him the strength and the light that came on and the revelation that came and What a victory was wrought that day in the heart of that man because he went to church. Amen. He was able to say, Thou art continually with me. You've never forgotten me. You've never forsaken me. You know all about me. He saw himself in the shadow of God's love. What an amazing thing. He was sure of one thing that God still loved him and God still cared and that nothing could separate him from that and nothing could ever take that away from him. And he began to understand afresh that God will never let me go, that God will never give up on me, that God will never turn his back on me, that he will give me strength to carry on, that he will guide me, he will provide for me, he will see me through to the very end because he is my God. Amen. He is my God. Somebody say that. My God. My God. Personal. My God. And it all happened because he went to church. I wish I could help all of you understand the possibilities that are yours because of where you are right now. Now, I want you to understand something. Just because you're in a building doesn't mean you're in church. Actually, the word sanctuary in the Hebrew means holies. It spoke of the holy of holies. So it wasn't just talking about the tabernacle or the temple itself. It was talking about a specific place in that tabernacle and temple. It's one thing to come into a building. It's another thing to enter into his presence. It's another thing to enter into that spiritual realm where God is and allow him to do something in your life that could transform you. And and this morning I want to tell somebody that you're in a good place for a transformation and you're in a good place for something to turn around in your life and for God to help put you back in the place where you need to be. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
One of the amazing things that happened to the psalmist in the house of God is that he won a victory over his own shame and regret because of his own disloyalty to God. What an amazing thing that God does for us, that even when we're unfaithful to him, he is never unfaithful to us. Amen. We can treat him like a used rag, but he's never going to treat me like a dirty rag. Amen. I can act like I don't need him, and many times people live like that. You, you know it by the way they act and the things they say. God, that's nothing to worry about. That's nothing to reckon with. But this man, while he was sitting in church, he got in the spirit on the Lord's day. He didn't just occupy a pew. He allowed the worship to transport him into another realm. He allowed the singers to help move him into a right mood and and to a right attitude. And he allowed the things that were happening around him to begin to work on his spirit until now he began to see himself and how wrong he had been in his thinking and how unfair he had been to even say or think some of the things that he had said. And now he feels guilty because he had said those things in his own mind and heart and he felt bad because he had even thought those things. But in that sanctuary, there was a cleansing and a healing that began to flow over his mind and his spirit as God forgave him of those things. It's a wonderful thing to experience the forgiveness of God. Some of us need it this morning in the most desperate way. We need to understand that God is gracious to forgive. That God is good all the time. That God understands me more than I understand myself. And here in the sanctuary, he found a healing for his own soul. He found forgiveness for his own attitude and his own spirit, his own failings, all of the things that had gone wrong in his life, somehow God began to bring them back into order and restore in him and lift his feet up and put them on a solid rock. It was in the sanctuary that that happened. You know the best place to get your troubles taken care of is right here. You know where the best place to find healing is? It's right here. It's not on a counselor's couch and it's not on social media. But if you really want a deep down healing of your soul, you need to come into the house of God and let His Spirit do what His Spirit does best. And that's heal and forgive. Man, he won in that place of victory over his stinking thinking. Jesus, have mercy. Some of us need some healing in that area. I said stinking thinking. Yeah. You, what, what do you mean by that? I mean the thinking that allows the, the life to be affected by the temporal not the eternal. 
that we begin to look around on this level and what we see on this level is unfair. What we see on this level is unjust. What we see on the human level is nothing that we want to be a part of. And yet we are a part of it. And so we begin to measure by human standards. We measure by human accounting. We measure by carnal thinking, by the, by, by the world standards that the more you have, the, more, the better you are. And, 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 and if you drive this or you wear that or you own this or you, or you go there, that you're somebody. And so we learn to measure ourselves and gauge our success in life by those things that are just temporary. They're going to vanish. They're going to be vapor in a short while. The earth and everything in it is going to be dissolved, the Bible said. Not one thing here is going to go into eternity but your soul. Amen. Think about that. All the things that you pour your life into and your energy into and you think you've got to have and you can't live without and you get mad because you can't have it. It's all going to disappear. It's going to vaporize in a moment of time. God's going to show you the real value of things then. And you know what happened? When he came to church, God worked on his mind. That's the best part about church. It'll do something to your thinking. Amen. Uh, You don't have to help me this morning. I can preach all by myself right now. But I'm just telling you that there's more that can be done in this house than, than meets the eye. That God has a way of correcting all of the foul, stinking stuff that goes on in our mind. And that we allow to go on up there. The judging all of the things that we do to try to measure up and put ourselves in the right position. All of that, God can work over your mind. He can put your mind back in a right framework. He can give you the right priorities. He can help you see the eternal over the temporal. Amen. He won a victory over the glamour of outward success, which tempts all of us to think that that's what life is really all about. God allowed him to look ahead. When he looked far enough ahead, he saw the balances that really mattered, and they were in the hand of God. And God was weighing things. And a man who had everything, he said, I am rich, and I am increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. But in God's balance, God said, you are empty. You don't have anything. And folks, that's all that really matters is the balance that's in his hand. And in the house of God, God helped a man see far enough down the road to see beyond this moment that this is what I've got to have. This is how I've got to live. And we saw the outcome. He saw the end of things. You know what I think's wrong with our country right now? I think we're wrong with our entire world. And I know what's wrong within the church right now is we've lost sight of the end. We live like there's never going to be an end to this thing. 
that there's never going to be a judgment day, that there's never going to be a reckoning day, that there's never going to be a moment when God's going to call every one of us before the throne of judgment and we're going to give account for the deeds in this life. We are so consumed with the right now and getting what we want today and getting more of what we want now and having all that we want now that we've lost sight of what really matters and it is the end of this thing that's going to matter. It's going to matter where I end up at the end of this thing and where I stay. And in that moment, and it was only in the sanctuary that that man was able to find the right balance in his life and able to get things in their right order and get his life put back in the way it ought to be working. You're not going to find that in a college class. I'm not against college classes, but you're not going to gain understanding sitting under a professor of some kind of earthly understanding but you can find understanding in the house of God you can understand what matters you can understand what really counts with God you can understand what really deserves your attention and your time and your energy the only place I know you're going to find that's in the house of God Man, some of you need a reckoning right now. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. I was up most of the night last night praying for folks in this building right here. Why? Because we need a reckoning day. We need to understand that there's an end coming. That this is not all what it looks to be at this moment. And everything that man puts his hope in is going to dissolve in a moment's time. And it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat or whatever might be in the White House. It doesn't matter who sits in Congress. What matters is who sits on the throne of heaven. And he's the one that's orchestrating. And he's the one that's that's determining the end of all things. And he's the one that in the end is going to show us what really matters. Amen. And God allowed him to look ahead far enough. I wish God would help some of you do that right now. To look beyond the mess that you're involved in right now. The slippery place that you're in. There's some of you that are in some slippery places right now. You're playing games with your spirit, your life. You're playing games with your soul. You're like those boys that they saw in Africa one day in a circle. The preacher went up to see what was going on and he noticed they were playing marbles. But when he looked closer he realized that they were playing with diamonds, playing marbles. That's what a lot of folks are doing in the world we live in right now. They have a never-dying soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And they're playing games with it. Amen. It was only in the house of God that a man was able to regain the right balance get an order in his life and find out what really matters. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many clothes you have. It doesn't matter how many friends you have on your social media. It doesn't matter how many people follow your tweet page. What matters is when that balance is held, which way is it going to tip? Thou art weighed in the balance and thou art found 
wanting. Amen. And in the house of God, God did something to that man. He had almost slipped. He had gotten to the edge. He is, he's going over. In my mind's eye, I can see him. It's on that slippery slope. And, and he's already lost his balance. He's already, he, he's already beginning to look awkward in his movements. He's trying to keep himself from... He knows there's an edge there. and He knows it's deep, but he can't seem to stop himself. Until he came into the house of God and the hand of God reached out and grabbed hold of him and pulled him back from the edge and put him on his feet. Amen. That's what can happen in the house of God. God can keep you from going over the edge. He can keep you from losing your mind. He can keep you from doing something crazy. He can keep you from messing up worse than you've already messed up. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. It was in the house of God that he came to a place to find his soul renewed and his faith regained and his hope revived. It was here that a beleaguered spirit found the refreshing of God's spirit and a new perspective, a new purpose in life. Here in the sanctuary he learned. He learned about interpreting life by faith, not by fear, not by flesh but interpreting life by faith. Amen. Letting faith be the determining factor. What I do, and how I live, what I say, how I act. Let faith position me, put me in places that are secure and safe. When life tempts me to think that God doesn't have a clue what's going on in my life, 73rd Psalm reminds me that he does. He not only knows what's going on in my life, he sees me about to go over the edge. And he's reaching this morning to intervene. He's reaching for somebody this morning to pull you back from that edge. Save you. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Close your eyes. I don't... I didn't even have any idea this service would go this way, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. There's somebody in this building today you need to reckon with your soul right now. You're in a slippery, slippery place. Man, I cannot even tell you how deep the chasm is, but I can tell you this. If you go over it, you may never recover. You may never recover. The hand of God's reaching out for you right now saying, Come on, child. Come on home. Come back where you belong. Come on, meet me here at an altar. Let's talk about this. Let's renew something today. Let me revive something. Let me touch your mind. Let me help your feelings, your emotions, your thinking. Help me get you back in order. Help me put you back in the right place. Come on. Come on, help me out. Come on, let me have the opportunity. Don't just come to the temple. Come into the holy place. Come on in to my presence. Come, come on to the altar. That's where I want to meet with you. That's, that's where I want to commune with you. That's where I want to talk to you. That's where I want to help you. Come on. Come on. If you're struggling, if you feel like your feet are about to go out from under you, if you 
feel like you're about to go over the edge. It's a good place to get your footing. It's a good place to for God to get a hold of you and pull you back from the brink and set your feet on a solid rock. Oh, yes, God, help me. I need your help this morning. There are people in this building today, God, that need your help today. They need your hand upon them right now. They need the mercies of God. They need the help of God. They need the hand of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.